Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men de-reconstructing the South. So, so I came into libertarianism about 2000 and... Oh, good night. I'm getting old. What is that? 2014, I think it was. Um... <laughs> <laughs> if I've got to think back on the date, I'm getting too flipping old. Uh, I think it's a... back in my day, Sonny. We were libertarians. Uh, so, so ironically enough, so I uh, mentioned to you, I got my old iPad fixed, and there's photos from 2014, like my old libertarian memes. I'm gonna have to share some to you, and uh, so so we can get Do some it. taste of nostalgia. But I, I came, I came. Um, from the the you know I was a kind of a tea partier you know I was that that edgy conservative you know that yeah you know um and, and then I was just like you know what I'm fed up with the Republican Party and I was like ooh libertarianism looks cool so which by the way libertarianism is also how I discovered reformed theology and for our old school right wingers in the chat we uh, uh I met I met my first reformed Christian in a Christopher Cantwell comments uh, thread. <laughs> That's awesome. You know exactly who I'm talking about too, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, and th- then he starts adding me to reform groups, and then boom, I'm in the reform libertarian. And next thing you know, we're in super secret chats. <laughs> yeah, all the super secret chats. And anyways, I went, um, I went and uh, I, I, I just jumped straight over libertarianism well yep i'm an cat now because it just seems like the logical conclusion and um boy was i was i a retard you know um it, it's so much easier arguing from a from a sound authority when you're talking about how the government should work you know and not just some ethereal ideas about oh we'll, we'll just have a company that that provides this service or something like that like well no the civil magistrate provides the subject because it says here in deuteronomy <laughs> <laughs> do, do you do you remember unironically arguing that we should have our own corporate entities that provide governance for us? Yes, we we, we should pay a <laughs> subscription pay a subscription fee for our public services. Right. Yeah, we, we were unironically arguing for that outcome. Uh, little did we know Facebook was already on it, and uh, the only problem is they hate our Christianity. And our whiteness. <laughs> and our straightness. Yeah, and our straightness. But, uh, but, but yeah, so that, that you know, and, and then getting introduced into, you know, I've always let my, um, I say always, when, when, up when I became a Reformed Christian, I then started to allow my Christianity to lead my, um, my political, my political leanings. And uh, which is why I was a horrible, inconsistent ANCAP, and and I became a terribly consistent theonomist. Um, and and that's because you know I, I've constantly like, okay, so what does Scripture say about the government? And when you can't square the round hole with with libertarianism and Scripture, you have to, in my opinion, you have to lean more towards a a theonomic framework. Uh, you don't have to go full you know theonomist or anything, but you have to put your basis in the moral law that God has laid out. So I actually got into 
libertarianism because of Facebook, shock and all. Um, and I actually started off as a unironic neocon. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny to look back at it because I, I originally would have argued for glassing the Middle East um, and I went from that to being pretty hard libertarian for quite a number of years, over a decade. Um, it was Bastiat, that book, The Law, that was the book that convinced me of libertarianism as a framework. And it made sense to me that you know, this is a very practical, hands-on ideology. So how do you make it work? And I know I kind of fluctuated back and forth with some different ideas. Um, I, I flirted with anarcho-capitalism for a little while. Uh, but I had, to, I had to give that up relatively quickly. Because even in the scriptures, there were judges, and those judges, while they had some libertarian flavors, um, they weren't very libertarian in some ways. Uh, they were more, more authoritarian, quote-unquote, than the libertarian ideology would, would allow. And I remember having you know, very long conversations with, with people about... Well, if you don't have uh, an EPA, for instance, and you don't have any way for the state to say, hey, you can't pollute this in this lake, how would you practically go about stopping pollution? Because that's a big deal. Um, I think it was Lake Erie, the Great Lakes. This is one of the arguments that was really hard for me to really deal with. Um, you know, it had so much pollution in it that it was acidic to the touch where it would actually burn your hand if you just went and put you know jumped in it for a few minutes and it actually killed a few people so how do you how do you force a group of people a company to clean that up because it's their responsibility to clean it up and that's a hard thing to really deal with you know from a libertarian perspective you know they'll say all kinds of things like well you just find them or whatever and and it gets to the point where um you know one of one of the the other ways i'm going to kind of mix the examples here but you know the mining towns where a mining company came in they owned your house they owned your uh, all the tools that you used to work for you used to work with uh, they owned uh, the city hall. They owned the town hall. They owned uh, the church. And in order to keep what you had, they would not give you money as payment for your work in the mines. They would give you scrip, and you could only use scrip at, in that town. That's it. That's what you had for money. So they weren't actually paying you for their labor. They were locking you into a form of slavery. 
But within a libertarian framework, technically that's allowable. You know, because those people, well, they signed up for it. And so you deal with these things, uh, you deal with these examples, you deal with these challenges, and, um, you know, I, I would I would try very hard to move it around. To me, these are pretty complex problems, especially when you isolate yourself from the thing that ought to be done, where if you have a group of people who are essentially being enslaved that way, and they're not allowed any kind of... Uh, culture or ownership or stake in the game they're not people of the land they are worse than serfs they're actually slaves um, that kind of thing happening is an illegitimate way for a, 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 an organization a company to operate in so what do you do to stop that um that's a hard nut to crack if you're not able to initiate violence because uh, you're the only way that you would be able to defend these people is if they gave you authority to act on their behalf. But that's even harder to do because a lot of these people won't do it for fear of retaliation. So they won't even ask for your help. So, you know, I'm bringing up these two examples because I spent a very good portion of my time trying to deal with problems like that. I had some, you know, good ideas such as ways to have a republic without violating personal liberty. Um, it would have to be a per-person voluntary entrance. Uh, there were some ideas that I, I took from that that I think would be, I think would be good ideas. Um, uh, even, even though I've changed from a libertarian uh, I think the idea of having each citizen earn their right to vote or to interact with the social government is a good thing. Um, and it's it's that everybody that interacts or everybody that has the protection of the government should pay to support that government. I think there are legitimate taxes that are owed to governments that are operating underneath the Romans 13 framework. But people who desire to vote, they should do more than just contribute the bare minimum. So this gets into things like property ownership, entrepreneurial spirit, these kinds of things. Um, some people are just not entrepreneurial. They just don't have that mindset, and so they'd rather work for somebody else, go home, and do their thing at the house. They don't really want to own anything. Um, and a lot of times these people become slaves in most cultures, and they're more or less content with that because they don't want to deal with anything above their pay grade, so to speak. But... It, it was those kinds of struggles um, that as to the reason why I even became a libertarian. And what eventually got me out of libertarianism was a combination of the degradation of libertarian argument 
because most of the arguments that you would hear from these guys were incredibly secular, even from the Christians. They were secular. They were not founding their ideas in Scripture. They weren't even looking for them. They didn't even bother twisting the Scriptures. They would just say, well, this is true regardless of what Scripture says. Uh, and they would point to Hoppe, or they would point to um, uh, Mises, or they would they would point to you know some other intellectual figure that they're not even Christian. Um, but it's also the the unworkability um, and the of, of the ideology. Uh, but the biggest thing for me was that the culture within libertarianism would rather side with a BLM or a um, an LGBT group than they would with Christians. And this, this even comes in with the Christian libertarians. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that as a, as a whole, I'm not saying that every single member of the libertarian Christians would do this, but by and large, that's exactly what they did. And so when BLM was burning the streets down, when Antifa was burning the streets down, they would justify it. Yeah. It's, you, you know, um, uh, uh, that that police officer, his last name was Dern. I can't remember his first name. Uh, he got shot in the street because they were trying to burn down this building. Um, that would unfaze them. You know, they they it would they wouldn't even bother responding to it. Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just an unfortunate casualty of a, of a good thing being done. And so, you know, at the core of the people who ascribe to libertarianism is this radical rebellion to any kind of authority and this resistance to God-given uh, magisterial power that we find throughout Scripture. And so even if the state was operating in a way that Romans 13 would find legitimate, they still would not find it to be a, th uh, a valid government. And at that point, I was recognizing the rebellion in my own heart against just authority. And so I had to I had to lose libertarianism because it was it was an unjust political philosophy. Um that's kind of and I know I, I kind of went on for a little longer than I should have, but that's kind of where I'm where I'm coming from now is I, I have been in um sympathize with libertarians uh but libertarianism as a philosophy i i have no sympathy for and i find completely Ill illegitimate and um and i think it fosters a rebellion in the heart of men it is ungodly it fundamentally starts with a uh, a wrong uh, anthropology right so what is man yeah. and is he essentially good you have to assume, in order to be a consistent libertarian, you have to assume that man will be intentionally good if there is, you know, the incentive to make money, right? Because that's kind of, you know, everybody's out there trying to get their own resources, right? It's just a resources game, you know? So man is this plug-and-play type thing that is a cog in this giant machine, and that as long as he does his job, 
and everybody else does their job, everything's going to run flawlessly. But right. being consistently reformed, we know that man by nature is not good, um, which which was one of the reasons that kind of drove me out of the whole ANCAP movement was because I'm like, well, if I'm going to be a consistent Calvinist, you know, I have to believe in total depravity, and I don't think that most people think like me, especially not now. I mean, if if society was all Christian, yeah, libertarian would pr- libertarianism uh, on a uh, small scale would probably work great. But the problem is, is that we're sinners, and that if you know you have a giant machine made of sinners, it's gonna it's gonna act all cattywampus on you. So we're not these right. cogs in a machine. Right, and and the way that it, you know, the pejorative for the way that libertarians and ANCAPs view man, their anthropology, is homo economicus. Um, and it's it's just that they see man as an economic unit. Uh, whereas, more traditionally, uh, the, the base economic unit would have been the family. And this is true even in the scriptures, that the base economic unit is the family. Um, you know, Romans 13 is the, the good woman, right? The, the, the iconic or <clears throat> archetypal rather the archetypal woman. And you notice that everything she's doing in Roman in, in uh, you notice everything that she's doing in Proverbs 31 are things that she would normally be doing for her family. So making pottery, making clothes, making bread and in oils and things of that nature. It's these are domestic duties. And everything that she's going out into the marketplace and selling are overflow from what her husband has expected her to do in the home. It's not just that, well, a woman can be out in the marketplace, it's an oversimplification. If you dig into the the reality of what's going on in that passage. It's that a woman is still given certain duties in the home. And then the things that she does in public are overflow and outflowing of the things that she's already doing in the home. So she's selling of her excess pottery. She's selling of her excess clothes. She's selling of her excess oils and her excess breads. That is too much for her family to take. And so she's, she's selling that to other people who weren't able to make enough for themselves. Other than the fact that you know now, now the Proverbs thirty-one woman is is not doing these things from the excess from her family. There, she's going out and you know, making a living, serving some other man, enriching some other man's kingdom. Uh, right. It, it it's slavery for a woman to stay at home and serve her husband, but for her to go work a nine to nine to five working for some other foreign man, that's perfectly acceptable and and not slavery in any way, shape, or form. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the other part of this that um, the, the next part of this that is an error of libertarianism, uh, this idea that you have an unearned right, that you just have rights because you exist. Um, now, this is not to say that uh, we would. Uh, you know, think somebody could steal from you legitimately. 
But what I would say is that certain things such as um, let's use the let's use the typical boomer example, right? Um, you know, drug dealers. Drug dealers are a cancer to society, and they should be stopped. And how you want to go about stopping them? There's a bunch of different ways that you can go about stopping them. They do not but have a right not, to life. Well, especially when they're targeting children, right? Right. Um, and and that's what that's what they inevitably do because they get they get customers for life at that point. Um. But I mean, just the introduction of of drugs. I mean, and I, and I'm not talking about weed. Right, I'm talking about uh, methamphetamines. I'm talking about uh, heroin. Um, these kinds of drugs are, yeah, fentanyl. These kinds of drugs are absolute poisons, and it's not just the libertarian argument. Well, I can put what I want in my body. Um, what you do to yourself has a cascading effect to everybody around you, and you can walk by or drive by a home and know that that person in there at least has a drug problem, if not actively on drugs right now, because they act a certain way. They're very disheveled. They're, they're, they're trashy. They're, um, and they're destructive to every, everything that goes in their vicinity somehow finds a way to break, uh, because there's a spiritual degradation around that person and it affects everything that they touch everything that they go around and so you have to deal with that uh but the libertarian does not even have the framework to deal with that right um and so there are you do have rights under god's law which is what we advocate for you do have certain rights to do what you want on your property um so this is not a an abrogation of any kind of you know, property right. But what this is saying is that you don't have the right to destroy your community and you don't have the right uh, to escape punishment for real crimes like that. Uh, there are such things as, uh, I'm sorry, there are not such things as victimless crimes, especially when that crime comes as a mode of being. Um, that doesn't just stop at the individual actions that you take, but it it develops into a spirit that inhabits you where you just destroy everything around you. And you don't have the right to invite those spirits into your community. Just saying there's no such thing as a victimless crime. Um, that, that's also a libertarian talk, right? Or yeah, absolutely. So if no, a victimless crime would be something like uh, I went out and I smoked weed, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody was actually harmed, and if if anybody was harmed, it was myself. I did it to myself. Therefore, I'm not a victim, and neither is anybody around me. Um, but usually what this comes at the cost of is, oh, well, you know, I just went and I did some heroin. That's That's a victimless crime. Because I just hurt myself. I didn't hurt anybody else by doing that. Um, but, you know, the person who went and did heroin, uh, they have two kids. And their kids are being neglected. And they're turning into hooligans. 
because they're not being educated and they're not being disciplined properly. Um, they're neglecting their spiritual duties to their, their children. And so what you have is you have a person who decides that, oh, I'm just going to do uh, a little bit of these, you know, a little bit of heroin. I just did it a couple of times, right? No, they didn't do it a couple of times. Um, and they aren't just harming themselves. They're neglecting their children who turn into other people who affect their, their environment, their community, and their culture in negative ways because they're undisciplined. So um, uh, these kinds of things are not victimless crimes. Um, you you want to talk about you know, buying a, a firearm off of somebody that's technically illegal. Um, is that a victimless crime? Uh, well, yes, <laughs> I, I don't. Eh, well, but I don't think that's a crime. Well, I think yeah, the, the government would consider it a crime, but they're not the judge of what's a crime and what's not a crime. The judge of what's a crime and what's not a crime is the word of God and what God said about what is criminal behavior and what's not criminal behavior. Right, um, so I, I, th so, I think when we're when we're trying to choose the whole victimless crime and the non-victimless crime, it, it's it's one of those that, you know, we're, we have to use reason, or not reason, but wisdom to um, to extrapolate that. So, so while, while I would think that I would view as... Um, like heroin use and that type of stuff as literally like demonic activity it's literally witchcraft right yes and, and so therefore that is the crime there and of itself um something like you know you, you you're going a little bit too fast on the on the back country roads and you know the sheriff pulls you over that's not a crime um and it certainly is victimless as as long as you weren't you know tearing up farmer joe's cornfield um so, yeah, I think I'm tracking with where you're going on this. Is is that crimes are defined by God and not by the the, the law, um, right? And and you know, if you're doing sixty and a forty-five, and the cop pulls you over, um, you know, the the libertarian response would be to get all mad because the cop pulled you over and gave you a fine. Um, the wise response, the biblical response, is well. You know, maybe next time just do forty-five, right? <laughs> like yeah. it, getting there, getting there a little bit early. That couple of minutes that you might save by going that extra speed limit is not worth even the conflict. Uh, you know, I would I would include this in the the Romans twelve portion where it says, you know, as long as it relies upon you, just live at peace with all men. Like you you don't need to do things that you know are going to spark conflict. Um, and that's a, that's a, all that requires is that you not do something. Uh, and if, if going, if that extra two minutes is worth fighting over, um, you know, if you're, if somebody's dying in the back seat, uh, even the most, even the worst cops that I've seen personally that are, that are act in highly corrupt manners, um, even those cops often will escort you and let you drive as fast as you want to drive. You know, if you're trying to take somebody to the hospital or something, um, you know, this is just one of those wisdom things where you, you shouldn't get into a position where you're going to come into conflict with somebody if you don't need to be. Um, sorry, that's a, that's a little bit of a, a rant there, but 
Um, it, it's good. it's one of those it's one of those uh, those road laws that libertarians are always spurging out about. Like, you know, what what uh, what right do they have to tell me how fast to drive my car? Right, and that and that's that's the kind of stuff that yeah, I think the libertarian argument for private roads is probably a good one. Um, the the Marauds uh, meme is a hysterical meme. Um, but I, I think that, I think that libertarians are more concerned about traffic laws than they are about, you know, demonic activity in their neighborhood. And it's just a mis a misplace of priorities. It's not even like the libertarian leaves his own basement long enough to, to go and speed, you know? <laughs> what, what, what are they, what are they going to do? A, a 35 and a 25 on their moped? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's the, the, you know, this idea that you can just do whatever you want as long as quote unquote, I'm not harming anybody. Um, you know, that's really the, the crux of it because what you're doing may have unintended effects that you don't realize there may be a good reason for that law. Um, you know, there may be a blind kid in this neighborhood and you driving 65 is, you know, you're not going to be able to see this kid and the kid's blind. He's not going to see you either. Um, a lot of these neighborhoods with low speed limits are because they either have children or they have disabled children and you need to take that into effect. So there's a good reason for that law. There's no reason not to honor it. I mean, but a lot of times, like, so so I'm on the road, like, a lot. And most most speed limits are are, are very, uh, very close to what you can drive safely on that road. Now, there's a few of them that they're 55, they're wide open. You know, eh, the cop's not going to stop you if you push it to 65, right? You know, just kind of cruise on through there. But, I mean... Right. Really, most cops aren't. As long as you're staying with the flow of traffic, you're you know we're kind of going going a little bit. You know, what what I'm trying to say is is that common sense dictates nine times out of ten how fast you're going down the road. Okay, so I think that if people had common sense, we wouldn't even need traffic. You know, traffic tr speed limits on the road because people are going to drive. At a, at a safe speed most of the time anyways so but anyways that was just kind of my little tangent right and these are some these are some you know i give an extreme example like drugs and i give another one like traffic laws <laughs> <laughs> you know um but i i, I kind of wanted to hit the spectrum of especially the common arguments um the whole because these are the autism. yeah the whole spectrum of autism because these are really where the this is really where the arguments go to um they they, you know, they'll rant about this stuff and then they'll rant about the Fed, right? And that, that's really the corpus of libertarian argumentation most of the time is, oh, you know, drugs are your responsibility. There shouldn't be traffic laws because roads should be private. What was the other one I mentioned? Traffic laws, drugs, and oh, the Fed, the Fed. So traffic laws, the, the, the roads, my roads, my roads, my roads, and then the Fed. Um, and to be fair, I mean, this is where most libertarians are attacked to begin with. 
So there's a reason why they focus on these on these uh, ideas. Um, oh, by the way, uh, taxation is theft, right? For period, tolls are fine, right? Tolls are completely fine, but taxation is theft. Um, those are really the the libertarian talking points, and and there's some truth to it. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that everything a libertarian says is wrong. I'm saying the the philosophy is is an error in this idea that you could just do whatever you want to, as long as you can find a way to say it's not hurting anybody. That's completely wrong. Um. You know, the other one was the, the tie to the anarchism. Um, there's a reason why they, you know, they go to anarcho-capitalism. Um, they do believe in anarchy, and anarchy, anarchism, uh, is this idea that either certain or all hierarchies ought to be eliminated. Libertarians don't believe that there should be any kind of enforced hierarchy. Everything is meritocratic. There are no um, spiritual or um, social stations that can transcend economics. And the only way that a position of authority becomes legitimate is through economic advancement. That's it. Uh, your ability to make money is your ability to justify it. Yeah, well, I mean... Okay, so you didn't write this in the notes, but um, it, it also has has a lot of similarities with communism. Also, like we always want to push towards the the an, the anarchism side, but it it's very closely related to uh, to Marxism in that it's the, the 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 its anthropology is based around man being an economical unit and you know a cog in the machine, as I always like to say. Right. And then also that it, there's a ton of, of left-wing anarchists that, that are basically like communistic anarchists. And that, that never really, when, when I was an ANCAP, that didn't make sense to me until I realized that, well, they're basically the same exact thing. Except for one of them, you're going to be sharing a lot more and have more freeloaders. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, well, it's still, it's still going to centralize power in the in the you know everybody's going to say oh we're going to seize the means of production. Well, who's going to be in, in you know over that? And that's basically going to be another warlord, another mafia boss. Hats, who's going to be over the the um, the means of production? Right, you're going to elect this union rep to represent you in the in the uh, CEO's office. Right, and, and the real difference is how they define liberty. Um, the rest of the, anthropo the anthropology, the way they view the world, epistemological issues, um, all, all of these ideas are basically identical. The way that they differ is the communist sees man as a force acted upon by social structures and social forces, and the... Uh, they're still atomized in that they're an individual, right? And so uh, they are act the individual is acted upon by social and economic forces. And the libertarian says that no, man is an agent capable of independent action. Um, and so uh, they are responsible for themselves, and society is not responsible for them. 
So liberty to the communist is uh, liberty from illegitimate social forces or or uh, illegitimate economic situations that result from social pressures. And the libertarian would say that uh, liberty is freedom from aggression, which is just any kind of attack on one's person. Um, anthropology is the same. They still see them as an economic unit, um, which is why the communist believes uh, since man is inherently good, and it is simply that social pressures make men act in a, in a negative way, this is, this is where you get all the justifications as to why you know, the cycle of, of criminality, for instance, that, that's, to, uh, that's used to justify urban blacks doing what they do on a consistent basis. The murder rates, the theft rates, uh, the, the, the degeneration of society in these urban black communities. It's just blamed on the cycle of poverty, for instance. This is, this is a, a communistic argument. That it's just the social pressures. It's because slavery, my slavery, uh, that's why that they're in such a bad situation. And what they need is they need to be economically lifted, so they have equality of outcome. Right. That's the that's the the uh, the communistic and the leftist are, uh, talking point when it comes to these neighborhoods. And uh, the way that the libertarian would handle this is say, oh, no, 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 no. What it is is these people have been oppressed by the state for so long that they just act – they're acting out. They're, they're trying to assert their individuality. And so the best thing for them is just give them absolute economic freedom. And so it's just a difference in how they think mankind interacts with society and not a difference in the world or a difference in how they really view man as a fundamental unit. Um, so it, I, I guess I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I mean, it, it's the same ideology. It's the same mindset. So, so how has libertarian influenced the church in, 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 in more ways? That's one of the, 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 one of the points that you put on the notes. And if, if I could opine for a moment and, and, it would be. I'm not so sure that libertarian influence the church, more of that the church influenced libertarianism, or it could have just been a symbiotic relationship right there. Because there's heavy influences of libertarianism in uh, neocon circles. You know, the the average everyday Fox News watching boomer is more libertarian than he actually wants to let on because he is very much invested. In, in the economic structures of you know the free market and, and things like that. Now he wouldn't go so far as to say you know that that pot should be legal or anything like that. He doesn't get on the crazy bandwagons. But I say all this to say that that the anthropology is so eerily similar right now, especially with the rise of semi-Pelagian and dare I say Pelagian churches that are. Uh, prevalent in you know, especially the Southern Baptist Convention, um, you know, and we can just go out from there. I mean, even the liberals um, with the mainliners, um, they're they're still that their anthropology is so similar to that of libertarianism. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, the the influences that I I meant were. Um, 
the the way that they read the text um uh, and i and i was i was one of those guys who would do this um you know the the passages that we mentioned in the in the last episode on on governance uh Romans 13 um while there's some similarities here uh you know one of our mutual friends and I'm sure you know who I mean um cautioned me about making the text say more than it's supposed to say um and, you know, how I would do this, Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good contact, conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the evildoer. Now, as a libertarian, I abused this text. The two emphases that I would have here are um you know chapter chapter four uh chapter four b for he is the servant of god an avenger who carries out god's wrath on the evildoer you know see there he's an avenger he's not supposed to be a proactive government going out and stopping people from doing generally bad things he's specifically to go after the person who afflicts and oppresses well who is the afflictor and who is the oppressor well, the afflictor and the oppressor, those are the people violating the nap, right? Like that's that's exactly how I would use that text. And then I would go back up to verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good, good conduct, but to bad. Uh, well, I mean, bad obviously is a violation of the nap, right? And so you got to you got to have a formal way of viewing bad bad's not general you know bad has to do with civil governance and civil governance obviously is just having to do with the social interactions of man against man and and that kind of thing so you know that that tension uh i would abuse the text in that way and now that i don't you know, the, the, as I say, the libertarian's been kind of beat out of me. Now I can read this text and just say, yeah, it's good conduct, bad conduct, right? If you're doing something that destroys your community, you ought to fear the ruler. Now, where I would still agree with my former libertarian self is that a government that doesn't inhabit this kind of idea where it looks out for the betterment of their people. It doesn't set against them. It obviously doesn't advocate for children becoming trannies. Um, that that kind of a government that would act in the best interest of its own people, the people that it oversees, that government is a legitimate government. And a government that starts to attack its own people is not a legitimate government, according to Romans 13. Um, but... I would be a lot more cautious, and I would be much more in, in line with uh, Dabney to say, you know, hey, 
yes, they're being an illegitimate government, but God still has the one that put in authority. And instead of, you know, throwing them off in the way that we would typically think about throwing a government off, um, we should pray that God judge them for abuse of their authority. And we should pray that God give us a different government. We should repent. We should act in a way that should on, that would honor God. Uh, because many times when there's a wicked leader, it's a judgment on the people over which they're governing. And so change yourself first. And then pray for good leadership. And then try to be the leadership that you would want other people to be over you. And let God have the outcome. Yeah, Romans 13 was always one of those ones that tripped me up. And I think there was several uh, blogs posted on the subject. Um, uh, this fellow named Mike posted a ton on the Reformed Libertarian blog. And I, I just, mm-hmm. every time I read it, I was just like, I, I can't get that out of the text. You know what I mean? And um, ex- especially not considering that Paul was writing this during the time of Nero. He was writing this, you know, to a persecuted church. And uh, so so how are we supposed to square this round peg with a hole? And, you know, be like, you, you, a lot of this a lot of this stuff requires a lot of wisdom to, to, to walk through. I mean, because why would you want to submit to a government that actually hates you? Like, oh, right. because they, they've actually been set up to for my good, even though they are also they're not doing for my good. I'm pretty sure, you know, lighting Christians as Roman candles wasn't something that we would consider good. But at the same time, they were also executing criminals. So, Right. And that and that's um, again, I, 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 you know, our our mutual friend was correct when he said that I was expecting Romans 12, 13 to say more than what it was saying. Uh, Romans 13 is not an intense philosophical treatise, <laughs> right? Um, you know, Romans 12 is telling you how to deal with a, a group of people that hate you and how to have a good uh, conduct. And in Roman thir- Romans 13 is telling you that the civil government is a good, and so you should submit to that authority. And I was using that text to show why I shouldn't have to submit. Um, and so that's that's kind of one of those ways where libertarians kind of flip things on their heads. Um, I'm the only one who made this argument, uh, but it that that that's a very common argument. Um, the other passage was Samuel, um, and the way that it was used was to say that you know in Samuel when when God was giving them a uh, was telling them, "You don't want a king because I am your king." Therefore, any kind of person that would have any kind of authority over you is illegitimate. And in, and again, it's another way of making the text say way more than what it's trying to say. Um, there were kings in Israel before Saul was anointed king. There were a lot of kings in Israel. Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. 
so that specific treatise is not against well, it's not even a treatise. That specific text is not against kingship. It's against undue love of authority in trying to have a man replace God. That's what it is. Because that's really what Israel wanted. They wanted a God king. Um, and, and God said, I'm your king. You have other kings but I'm your king. And Israel was rejecting God as their king. So um, this, this passage was, I actually used it a lot for my anarchism. Um, yeah. And, and I was like, well, it's because, well, they didn't have a king to begin with, so I guess we should return to pre-king you know, pre -king, uh, Israel, right? Not, not realize <laughs> I was, you know, pushing for theonomy. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, but it's just th this is two examples, and I and I used these in the the previous episode for civil government because um, these were the ones that I've seen that I personally have abused, much less other people. And so we wanted to start with those and deal rightly with the text in in a good way. And then in this one in this episode, we wanted to touch on how these are abused. Uh, and the intent behind the abuse. I don't think the intent behind the abuse is necessarily wrong. They're not trying to be evil. But they end up being evil in their execution of it. And so uh, that, that evil is twisting the text to justify your own mindset or your own ideas. And we don't have the right to do that. Any other passages that you uh, you can think of? No, I mean, other than, you know, like going to um, the Peter or something like that, but he's really just going to say the same thing that, you know, we've been saying is, you know, you should honor those that are in authority. And, and, and mm -hmm. it's kind of the, the, the whole thing about, yeah, I, I might be, you know, disgusted with, with my local sheriff or something. You know, I'm not, but if I was... But at the same time, he's still put in that position of authority. If I'm gonna be a Calvinist, then I have to say he was predestined for that for that uh for that office, and that he is in that office for a reason. And and I can't now. I'm not saying I should go along with if, if he wants to you know institute like some type of tyrannical measures. I shouldn't just go along with it. But I should still respect him and, and I should pray for him. You know, um, because he is the 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 ruler that God has placed over over me at this time, um, and I it's so hard to respect your rulers when your rulers are fools, and it really is a judgment, yep. you know. Like for for instance, we we have an incompetent man sitting in 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 some um, vaguely colored house, you know, um, up up there with a with a round office, and we're supposed to respect this dementia patient. You know, we're supposed to pray for him. We're supposed to, you know, hope that he rules well. But how, how do you do that whenever whenever it's so much easier to ridicule the man uh, because he is a wicked ruler? And, and where do we draw the line at this? And we're commanded to pray for him. Yeah. That's a, that's a command, not an option. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it doesn't say we can't pray in precatory prayers. Uh-huh. Too sure. <laughs> 
Well, no, it doesn't say that. But uh, we should also understand that that man is in, in authority because God is punishing the United States for its evil. Um, and so in a very real way, we've earned that, that evil ruler. Because, I mean, he is an evil ruler. It's it's kind of kind of interesting, you know the the whole. I, I kind of got into it a little bit earlier about how when you let your theology drive your politics, and then you start viewing history through the lens of of your theology and and how right. everything happens the way it was predestined to, and you can see how these rulers fighting actually caused missionaries caused missionaries to go further east or further west or further south and and how while the rulers may have been evil it's still um for, for instance the the roman empire was not founded by the intentions of men was to not have the roman empire spread christianity far and wide but because rome covered such a vast portion of of that that landmass over there it it was easier to use, you know, the Roman roads, if you will, to, to spread yep. the gospel message, you know, um, all the way up into the British Isles, to um, all the way out west, uh, or not west, but all the way out east, and out west to, to Spain, and then eventually when the, when the entire system collapses, other rulers rose up, and when they conquer new territories, Christianity spread, then eventually they come to the New World, and Christianity covers... You know the the north north continent and the southern continent. I mean, athletes, well, and even you know. even before that, I mean, Rome being primed for the gospel because of the influence of the Greeks. Um, I mean, that's a huge deal. That's underappreciated today, right? Uh, we we don't appreciate the 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 kinds of thoughts that we have today. The kinds of um, uh, framing that we have today that the greeks gave us that helped the gospel spread as much as it did um john's use of the of the logos in john one for instance is just one example my my other dead horse to beat um you know he's talking about that thing which is the is the the originator and that thing which makes uh, the originator of reality and that thing which makes it, uh, reality intelligible. It's both of those things, and he identifies that with Christ. Um, that's huge, because we we know that Christ is the, the person that God the Father used to create all things. Um, that's, that's mentioned in, in Peter and uh, I think Romans as well. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is something that's you know, the West was primed for just because of the, the, the Greeks. And, and the civilizing of the Germans? Yes. Under the Romans? Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that seem barbaric that, in the end, and they, and they were barbaric, I'm not going to undercut it, but, um, you know, the, they're, they are the 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 winds of history that God has used to bring the gospel throughout the world. Um, and so the evils that we see today that are legitimate evils, we have no idea how God is going to use those. 
And so we should pray for a better outcome, but we should also let God have his outcome. Uh, and, you know, it's not as if we're going to prevent God from having that outcome, but it's having the humility to know that God knows better than we do. People don't like to hear that, though. I mean... Um, <laughs> no, they don't. I don't like to hear it. I mean, and, you know, and that's that's why you know everybody has to have this concept of libertarian free will or some type of other free will. Um, and we're talking a lot about anthropology today, but um, we let's well, it's a, a an ignored topic. It, it really is, and and people don't like God telling them what to do, like. And that's that's one of the biggest things that turn people off of Calvinism is is oh you mean I don't have a say in my future, you you mean it, it's up to God and not and not me I I am I'm just befuddled why does God have more power over me than I do of myself, and, and, and I, I mean he's just God yeah yeah he he just created you literally created everything, but in <laughs> in it's. It's really because we think we know more than God. Like, why are we? Why are yeah. we trying these these worn out freaking um, um, ideologies? Whenever we could just go straight to the source that deals with the problem of man's sin, but also it it um gives us a just law. Yeah, it gives it gives us a just law, and it and it doesn't beat around the bush. Like it it it, it okay. The thing I like about theonomy is it can fit so many different contexts because it, it's not a one size fit all solution. At least not you know the form of theonomy that I adhere to, which is it's it's kind of pliable, I guess you could say. Like it's it would interact differently in Central and South America than it would here, and that's because God gave us wisdom to to look at His law and then pull out the applications that come through. Like yeah, the text means one thing; it only means one, but there's so many different applications that you can pull from it. Um, but anyways, I, I digress. Uh, we wanted to touch on some of the issues with libertarianism because libertarianism is such a big deal. Um, it's common, and you're going to see a lot of these arguments. Um, I'm coming as someone who is attempting to recover fully from libertarian mindset. And so, you know, a lot of this is dealing with my own errors that I've, I've, I've made in the past. And trying to help others so that they don't repeat those same errors. Um, you know, th this isn't an attack on libertarians, the people who are libertarians. A lot of them are good people, especially the Christians. Um, you know, if you have libertarian leanings, this, none of this is an insult against you. Um, but I do think that you are, I think you're giving too much credence to an ideology that I think is from, um, let's just say a bad a bad place. It's coming from a bad place. Yeah, and at the same time, but I, I can still sympathize with them. Um, you know, everybody just wants to be left alone. But the, the the problem is, is we all have to grow up and understand that power doesn't exist in a vacuum. We can't just take all the 
all the power away from the federal government and everything be hunky-dory. We have to replace that with something better and something righteous and not just be reactionary and and do the one single thing that, you know, kind of like being a one-issue one voter. Like, you don't care what actually happens as long as X issue goes through. Well, with libertarianism, is you don't really care what happens as long as, you know, you have, you know, my guns or my weed or whatever it is that you want. But, uh... Um, right. I, I don't begrudge libertarians. I just think that some of them need to grow up. Yeah, harsh. I, I think it's... Well, it's it's harsh because, you know, it's true. Um, and, and, you know, I guess from a... <laughs> from a... Uh, you know the the harsh aspect. We're we're really being harsh on ourselves, right? There's ways in which we need to grow up as well, and this is one of those areas where we've tried to, you know, get out of a, a really bad mindset. So, I guess, you know, in addition to what you're saying, Travis, um, you know, don't don't be rebellious against God's legitimate authorities. Um just seek to have legitimate authorities. Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. I know dark clouds will gather around me. I know my way is rough and steep.